0: Hello and welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scully, and in this podcast, we take a look at players and coaches that we believe have very bright futures in the game. In the last episode, we looked at IFK Göteborg's a bright Swedish starlet, Hussein Carnail, who has been developing into a fine player over the past few months. Incredibly explosive, a wonderful George Best-esque dribbler, and someone with a superb shot, Carnell is going places. Today, though, we will be dissecting the strengths and weaknesses of a man who was been around the block already, a player who has played in three different countries already as well as the national team, but one who we think may still have a higher ceiling. That player is the former Rangers and Basel centre forward Cedric Iten, who after struggling to find his home for a few years is now firmly back to his best with Swiss Super League giants BSC Youngboys, who are well on course for a fourth title in five seasons. Iten has played a big role in Rafael Vicky's side being so successful this season and so we've decided to take a look at what makes the Switzerland international so, so effective. Before we begin, though, please make sure to rate the podcast, five stars, hopefully. It's greatly appreciated and helps us to grow the podcast and to get more and more excellent guests on and to get more and more ears on the podcast, too. So now, without further ado, let's get into our analysis of the centre forward by first speaking to my co-host and TFA recruitment analyst, Brent Marquez. Brian, welcome back to the podcast.
1: How have you been? Hello, Adam. I've been really good. Um, really excited about getting back here again and talk about really fun football players we have mm-hmm. for this new podcast. It feels like a long
0: time ago since we recorded. I I, I yeah. don't quite remember the last time we recorded an episode of this podcast.
1: Yeah, I think it was um
0: It was on Hussein uh, Carnell, but I it just seems yeah. like a month ago, but yeah, it. We haven't missed any episodes, so it, it it hasn't been. Obviously, it's just it seems that way. You were uh, um, you kind of took a week break in the last week. How was that? Did you have fun? Yeah,
1: you had, do anything exciting? It, it wasn't like um a, a fun trip or or something like that. It was something like more um went to watch my to to see my dad and all that in other state yeah, of the country. Yeah, yeah. So it was more uh, a duty, a familiar duty. That's that's
0: completely fine. Sometimes we need to just. A break from work. That's more than okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the player we're going to discuss today is an interesting one. It kind of reminds me of when we talked about Giorgio Yakimakis, who was at Celtic at the time. He's now at Atlanta United, I believe. And he wasn't that young. I think Yakimakis was 29, 30 when we, when we discussed him on the podcast, which isn't isn't young at all. Uh It's yeah. not quite that age. He's 26, which is still... It's kind of peak age. It's not you young. You know, he only has a couple of years left of his prime. So he's not young, but he's not too old. He's at an age where if you want a ready made centre forward in their prime, then he's there for the taking. He's not a young, yeah. up and coming prospect. He's kind of ready now. So, and I think, I do believe that all players can improve regardless of the age and, and whatever. But I think there's, he's kind of at the point where, there probably won't be too much improvement so kind of what you have now is what you get so it'll be this will be a fun discussion it'll be a very realistic discussion we always try to keep it realistic it's easy to pick yeah. up a player as the next ronaldo and messi but in 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 reality were we would be doing you all the service so i think it's important that we keep our expectations real and we talk about clubs he can genuinely move to brian what were your first impressions of cedric Itendon? because Full disclosure for those that don't know, he was averaging a goal every two games a couple of seasons back when he was quite young. I think he was about 22 with St. Gallen in Switzerland. He came came from FC Basel's Academy, went on to Luzern on loan, I believe, and then he went on loan to St. Gallen. Permanently moved yep. there. A goal every two games. I think it was 20-something goals and 40-something games. An incredible record. Moved to Rangers. Rangers FC, of course, in Scotland. Won... The Scottish Premiership title under Stephen yep. Gerrard. And that was our first title in 10 years as well, number fifty-five, I believe, that Rangers won. But it 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 he was he was a part of the squad. He wasn't a key man, if that makes sense. And then he went to Groyford and in, in the Bundesliga. I believe they were in the Bundesliga at the time. Again struggled. And now he's back in Switzerland, Brian, then he's smashing it. So I mean, is it is it we'll get on to discuss this later, but is it merely a case of of just the swiss league is kind of his his
1: thing or what were your impressions when you watch him i mean as cedric eden uh, to our listeners is a a really big and and tall, tall striker mm-hmm. because he he wants to get the ball in the, in the final third and all that he's not um a player who can pick the ball and then dribble on 1v1s and all that. I don't find um, Eden uh, a player like that, but he's this type of... Uh, but I, I don't want to say that he's a target man, you know, because he is not only dependent of one zone of the pitch, being central and receiving long balls and all that, because he can go to the wing and get the ball there. And he has a really good... um. Uh, assist in record you know he he can pick the ball and he he finds teammates inside the box and all that so um that's really a a a really nice thing to see on a player who for sometimes he waits for the ball uh, with his back uh, to the rival goal receiving the ball and all that and then opening um the passes to the wings and then um i found I find him a really, really um, strong player uh, with crosses, you know, but but receiving crosses. He can make uh, those passes into the box, but then his uh, heading technique is really good. But uh, let's um, not talk deep into that, into the finishing at this moment. Uh, The the things he does outside the box are really good for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's simple, you know, he can pick the ball, uh, drive a bit the ball and then release it. And he could offer wing, uh, offer uh, width to to his team. He receives the ball, he waits, and he plays uh, with a, another striker on the team. And that chemistry and synergy um, with, a, the, um, I, I don't remember his name, um, but he's another really tall striker. Who Well, they have Jean-Pierre is, and Samé and they have... Hey, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's Sami, and they have a really good synergy and uh, he can go out to the wing, pick the ball or he can create spaces for him and I really like that about uh, Eden uh, the intelligence of his off-the-ball movements. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting because he can play kind of on the left wing, kind of but young boys play a two-striker system. He's able to play on his own in front as well by the way because he's played there a lot before but he plays in a two striker system for BSU Young Boys under Rafael Vicky. I just wrote a team analysis on Young Boys. It literally, just was published on Saturday, a couple of days ago. We're recording this on the Monday. It's going out on the Tuesday. The Young Boys piece was published on the Saturday, so do go check that out. I discussed how they play with a four four two diamond and how kind of the the two strikers operate in attack and defense, etc. And Brian, you are right. He runs the channel a lot because. They almost play out the wide areas as well, those kind of wide channels. But they kind of play with, the, they play with the front two, But they're kind of split strikers. I compared it a lot to when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer first took over Manchester United as interim boss. He played a four-four-two diamond, and he used to have Jesse Lingard as the number ten, and yeah. Martial and Rashford then as the split strikers, quote unquote. And obviously, when United would sit deep, kind of soak up pressure, win the ball. As soon as they won it, Martial and Rashford would attack the spaces down the sides of the central defenders because usually the full-backs of the opposition would push really high up the pitch, as is modern football now. So young boys play that kind of way. Cedric Gitton maybe isn't the best on the break, which is why he's heavily rotated with players like Elia and with Jean-Pierre Zame as well this season. But as you said, he's able to play that split striker or run those channels, and he does it really well. And he's such a menace in the box. And this season... He has, I believe, seventeen goal contributions in yeah. twenty-five games, yeah. and seventeen goal contributions in. Oh, sorry, sorry. He has seventeen starts, or starts as well out to twenty-five. So, I mean, he's he's a really reliable player too.
1: Yeah, I think he's um fourteen goals in the yeah. Swiss League and eighteen all competitions. So that's yeah. it's a really, really good record. And you ask me if it's a thing of. Uh, the swiss league and all that you know it, it's a difficult conversation obviously because you're talking about a a, a player a person who wants to be a veteran mm-hmm. at, at times that conversation can be a, a, a really a, like you're judging a player and and all that in a really bad mood you know i i find it a really difficult chat but for me it's like i don't i don't really think it's a bad thing for a player to come back to his country after um a tough spells for him because it's it, it may be uh he could hype and he could uh get better in his form and all that you know because is his country he's um uh, obviously more settled to the to all the things uh, and it could be easier for him yes not only the league but you know the, the environment of where he's living where he's playing he knows everything about about his country obviously mm-hmm. and um i i really like him because you can really see a player like okay, this player for me has some issues to solve and he's going back to his country again. Let's just think, again, Switzerland, which is not that best, not that tough league if we compare to others one. Um, But the thing is, Eden, for me, is is an interesting player. He's a player who can play at different leagues. This is obviously the final discussion of the podcast. But... It's not only what he can do with his intelligence to run into space, open channels for, for his teammates and all that. It's the way he can be inside the box. He's a menace. You have said that. Yeah. Um especially with his head. Not only because he's tall and he's powerful, the the he's so smart, you know. He makes the the the, the moves he has to make and how he just turn his head his neck and all that to gave the ball the correct technique and power Mm -hmm. to score a goal in that situation is really amazing to see in a struggle because you know some headers just go put the head there and just the ball just find your head and is going in Mm -hmm. you know but at other players uh, they really master that art of heading the ball yeah yeah well you mentioned kind of his you mentioned
0: the type of goals he scores. Thirteen of the fourteen in the Superliga have been inside the box. Only one was outside the box, and I believe I know what goal it was, and it was phenomenal. I'm pretty sure it was outside yeah, the box. He, he kind of hit it with uh yeah, yeah, with yeah. his right foot across to the left. And it was yeah. I mean, pretty, yeah. He
1: hit the post, I think. And yeah, the post he, in, yeah, yeah. It was an unbelievable he, strike. It was a fantastic goal, yeah. Yeah,
0: unbelievable goal. Uh, eight were with his rifle, so he is right footed as well. Two are with his head, which is still still good, I mean, two of his 14 goals. But bear in mind, four were penalties, so that's two-headed goals from 10, which is 20% of his goals were from headers. So it's also important to note that while he did score 14 goals, four were penalties, so he is the penalty taker for PSC Young Boys. Um, just yeah. before we kind of keep talking about his, his finishing qualities in the box especially, chances created he's created 22 chances this season as of recording this now which is the 10th of April 2023 so we're nearly at the end of the season one thing that you touched on earlier was his hold-up play which is really impressive I was really impressed by his hold-up play he's a big guy anyway but you just because you're a big guy doesn't mean your hold-up play is great I mean Vudveghorn is a big guy and he is suspect to say the least um so yeah, his holding play is really good. He's really good with the ball at his feet as well. So when he does hold it up, he's able to lay it off, or he's able to, you know, use his his, his feet to 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 find the right pass as opposed to just trapping it down and kind of bullying a defender and 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 you know poor touch will go astray anyway. Like certain other centre forwards who I won't name, I'm sure you can kind of guess what I'm talking about. Anyway, yeah, finishing, he's. Overperforming his xG, his xG is about eight point three right now, and that's non-penalty xG. Sorry, I should clarify that. His yep. he scored ten actual goals. Is is? I want to ask you, Brian. Before, like, I, I understand we're talking about Cedric in here, but I want to ask you about xG. Is it? What when when the difference is that kind of marginal? Because eight point three to ten isn't that huge. Like, if we're talking about Chelsea, like uh, Brian or. Kyle and I recorded an episode on Chelsea last week after Grant Park was sacked, and their XG was 47 compared to their 29 goals that they scored. And that's colossal.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's, the worst in English
0: football by a country mile. So that's what I want to ask you about. Like, for you, when you see that XG, is it, is it, is it, if it was the other way around, and his, he scored eight goals and his XG was 10, would that be worrying?
1: I mean, xg has for me is a fantastic start mm-hmm. but you have to really study it because people just think uh if he over if a player overperformed this stat by a 0.01 or 0.10 i don't know he could be good uh, finishing or if he's underperforming one by one goal maybe he could be uh, a dreadful uh, finishing so the thing for me is you you can have so much examples of that. Think of Mo Salah, uh, the last yeah. season I think in the Premier League he has he scored. I don't remember the amount, but I know in the Premier League he underperformed the XG. Yeah. So uh, that's when you know that players have so many chances on the game, and obviously you are not going to score all of them, and you could even score the. Hardest chance of the game, and then go and miss the Mm -hmm. easiest one. It's football, and you're a a a player. You're a human, and all that. So for me, when you're overperforming, overperforming by two goals, the difference for me it's good, and even more when you think of that the XG is more than eight because he's getting into those chances, and for me, for a striker to have more than eight, nine XG at this moment of the season and He's overperforming by two or three goals. For me, it's a it's a nice thing to to see on a striker. Obviously, he's not. Mm-hmm. I I mean, the largest differences you may see it on wingers, attacking midfielders, or players like that who constantly are shooting outside of the box and doing um yeah complicated goals after dribbling players yeah. and all that in a strikers it's easier to find a player overperforming by one to 2.5 2. It, mm. it's a stat that you obviously have to 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 watch and to study but as well you have to take it with a pinch of salt i agree he has taken
0: he averages sorry 0.15 xg per shot which is kind of above the average of 0.1, which is pretty decent. Very few of his shots are outside the area, which is probably the main reason for that, because kind of the further you go away from the goal, of course, the, the lower the quality of chance. I know there's other factors that depend on that, such as like players that are in the way, the goalkeeper, etc. cetera. But generally, generally, shots outside the area are quite low quality. Um, a lot of his shots are really, really close to the six-yard area. And that's because when you watch him, for me anyway, Brian, Quite a lot of his goals come from low crosses or crosses in general, but yeah. but they they play a lot of low crosses and he just runs into the six yard box, scores or else taps on a rebound or, or whatever. He's really a he's a he's a poacher. I mean, we said we said earlier like th- thirteen of his fourteen goals are inside the box. It's obviously kind of what you want to see with your centre forward, but he is a handful in the area, but he's also quite a poacher because. He'll just pop out of nowhere and tap a home. As I said, someone will take a shot, mm-hmm. and he'll be in the right position to tap a home. Then for the for you know that the, the striker's instinct or the poacher's instinct. What are your thoughts then on his?
1: Yeah, you his want his player, ability in the box. Yeah, if you want a player that wants purely create spaces to the wingers or attacking the fielders, um, you could be happy with that. But if you want a guy like Eden who. Because inside the box and all that, trying to get the low crosses, high crosses, finishing every time with a tap-in and all that, you obviously are going to be happy. And even more if you know that Eden is an intelligent player to make other things. Yeah. But inside the box, I find him shooting with his right foot and left. He varies it, so that's a good thing with his left and right foot. Mm-hmm. Um not only because he has a score with his left foot, but he tries it. He he just doesn't want to look the best angle to to his right foot. He can take the shot with the left if if he has to do it. So mm-hmm. that's a good thing. But so at times, uh, I really think even at some goals he has scored before the goalkeeper has saved um the shot and then in the rebound, again, he, he does the tap-in and then, he scores so I think at 26 he is intelligent inside the box outside mm-hmm. to create spaces for his teammates but at time I think the confidence on his shooting with his both foods sometimes can be can be a bit low and maybe it's a great that's point why, it's a great point great point yeah maybe that's why at Rangers or graford he, he didn't have that uh, a good spell with them yeah. because uh, at times I find him like he's running into the box and running and running, and then he takes the shot, the goalkeeper saves it, carries it away, or, or a goalkeeper or other teammates like score the tap-in. You, you can be happy because the team scores a goal, obviously, but when you're scouting the player, you said, okay, he missed the chance, I don't know, uh, he didn't look... Uh, to the goal he at, at, at times when he's finishing with his foot i find him a bit like not nervous but anxious maybe he mm-hmm. wants to put the foot in and let's see what happens yeah so but it could be a confidence thing yeah he he
0: has 63% of his shots on the target this season which is really high and obviously Probably the reason for that was because of... he is He's not two-footed, but he's really comfortable with his weaker left foot as well. Yeah. So I think, as, as yeah, you yeah. touched on, it's really important. The one final thing I want to mention about uh, Cedric Gittin that is really positive is because of his height, he is really strong at defending set pieces for the opposition. or for, for Sorry, for his own team against the opposition. Now, obviously, just being tall doesn't mean you're good in the air, as, as we alluded to earlier yeah, with yeah. Food horse, yeah. But, yeah, but... He has 10 headed clearances this season and 12 clearances in total. As I said, from opposition set pieces, he's a very useful player to have there. We'll talk about weaknesses now because, you know, kind of keeping in line with what I just touched on, when he is back defending set pieces, um, they clear the ball out and Young boys are stepping up and they're going on the counter-attack. It's not really the player I'd want on the counter-attack. I understand his pace. He's not slow. I don't think he's really slow at all. I just yeah, don't me, think he's he's not yeah, lightning okay. quick so, yeah he's not lightning quick so it's like if 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 you want a specific center forward for a team that may be playing transition he may not be perfect do you agree or disagree
1: yeah i, I this um sorry i agree with he's <laughs> he wants to defend inside the box because He's good on that. He has a like, heading technique, the power, the height, and all that. But then I don't find some situations where he's like having the ball on his feet and commanding transitions, doing a pass or running into space um to have pick the ball or only getting into the box. You know, and I watch that as well in the defensive transitions. Yeah. For me, I don't know uh, about you, but defensively, he is a player who can um, block passes. and mm-hmm. In the final third, he could be really key for young boys because he knows where to go. He knows when to go. It, as well, he does that and when running into space in, in, in attack, as we said. And defensively, he knows that as well. But he is more um, prominent, maybe, to say it like that in the final third he's more constant doing these defensive actions and when the when his team is forced into a lower block then he could not he's not that key player Mm -hmm. uh, defensively and in defensive transitions he is not that striker who can be really intense to go back and chase down players you know uh, he, he rather stays up in his line, trying to uh, stay on his own and maybe look for a long ball, drop it down with his chest or with his head, something that he does really good, especially um, how he directs like the long balls with his head for, for teammates running into space. So maybe he, he's a... You know, he's a player who can be intense and really good and intelligent mm-hmm. in the final play, defending and pressing high. But then if you are a team who defend lower and want to sign him, uh, it, it could be like that kind of uh, high war rate player in lower blocks.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's actually coincidental that you said about his kind of his counter-pressing, especially in the final tour, which is kind of where he does his best stuff really defensively. He has 15 counter-pressing recoveries this season, but only 10 high regains. And high regains are normally, you kind of accumulate high regains when you're defending in a settled kind of block. So if you're in a mid to high block and you're pressing, whereas counter-pressing recoveries come from transitional moments. So he actually is better in transition, as you said, defensive transition, than when you're actually in a settled block. So that's a really interesting point. And, the stats do back that up as well. Let's move on to the final topic of this podcast centred on Cedric Yatin, is going to be about where he goes in the future. Brian, as I touched on earlier, he's been in Scotland. He's been in Germany. It didn't quite work out. But, you know, that's not to say it won't work out. That's not to say he's going to fail in every league, of course. But yeah, in your report, you said you believe he's still a tier one player. I believe it was your report. I think it was. You said you believe he was a, still a tier one player. Talk to me then about, and this isn't like, usually we talk about young players, maybe give them a year or two, and then they're ready. Like he's 26 now, and there's not really much room for growth anymore, as we also spoke about at the start of the podcast. So where do you think he can kind of go now to have one last try, maybe in you know in a, in a top five league, to see if he can really make it?
1: So with... The- Obviously, when you watch an older player, is difficult. It's more difficult to find a fit a, a that great fit for a player mm-hmm. rather than a in, in a young one because you're still young and you want to. Uh, it, it could work out or it couldn't, but you still have plenty of time to fix that. Now, Eden in that case is 26. Is not my report, but. I think I agree with the 2-1 and maybe at one it could be a mid-table club and the league I see him fitting the most at this kind of context, the mid-table teams, is for me in Italy. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe thinking of a team who who plays with a, a not similar system, but it plays with a similar striker, similar... Um, to a uh, striker system is Spezia who plays with Mbala and Sola and he could be a player who left the uh, who could leave the club in in the next summer because he's really good so that's the kind of team I really see him fitting at this moment but it could be a big jump, you know, it could be a really, really big jump. It's a really physical league. Mm. It's a really tough league. it's getting better and better and more tactically intelligent and modern at this moment. So maybe a move to, I don't know, um Belgium, some strikers are really really, really cracking up goals there. We talk about, well, I talk about Mario Gonzalez, which is a twenty six player. A Spanish player, striker mm-hmm. as well, who wasn't um, it wasn't having this this bad season uh the second division of Spain. He had one, and then he went to to Belgium. He's really, really good. And I think he, I think
0: Be- I think Belgium's a great great move for him. Yeah. Now I know it's maybe not ideal, but I think when you look at some of the players that have come out and or come, come gone to Belgium recently, apologies, yeah, and seen how and well maybe- did. I mean, Paula I watch you for one was back in, Twenty odd goals yeah. a season. I think he hit thirty at one stage. I'm pretty sure. Did he hit thirty twice? He definitely hit it
1: once. Yeah, definitely he he hit it once. And I don't know uh, about what you think of, on this, but I really rate um, uh, the Germany second Bundesliga. Yeah, because it, it's a really really interesting. I know it's uh, to play in Belgium is really really higher than playing in the second division of, of Germany, but the quality of teams, players, environment, and how modern they are tactically. Mm-hmm. And the, the way strikers play is there, I mean, um, Glatzel at Hamburg, yeah. really, it's not that similar, but it, some things really remember me of Eden. So it could be, a, again, a place to go there, to go to Germany, but to go to a better context and maybe... a not that superior one and to start to adapt and to fit into those other leagues but he has recently moved to young boys he's playing really good so maybe some clubs are going to look after him we have to see what he wants and uh, and what young boys want at this moment
0: and well that's true I mean chances are he could have gone to Scotland and Germany and kind of realised that maybe I'm better off staying in Switzerland he's in young boys now banging in goals so he might say to himself, let me stay here I'm playing really well and but if he does move, I feel as though, and I'd love to get your opinion on this before we wrap up. I feel as though being a Switzerland international for the force team will be very appealing to a lot of clubs because having an international state, especially with Switzerland, they weren't were, a, a poor side by any stretch of the imagination. They're very strong players in the squad, they've consistently gotten to European competitions. I mean, they were you know, they've consistently got to world cups yeah. and, and euros etc sometimes even to the knockout rounds um so yeah i i think it's i'd love to get your thoughts on do you think being a Switzerland international will be kind of will add a bit of bit of value to his to his market fair yeah, to his transfer totally. fee totally
1: totally agree with that yeah the thing the last thing i i was going to say it's like um i i agree i totally totally agree with the point of you know he could Maybe just stay there and live in Switzerland. he 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 could be so comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't know so much things the, the, the people tend to see players like robots and only players, but they have family and they have life. So it's where a person it's more comfortable living, but obviously you have dreams and you have things to look after up. Mm-hmm. So we have to just see what happens in the summer. But I think he has chances to to adapt to other leagues at this moment.
0: I agree. I think it's going to be... A, a, I'll be interested to see where he moves in the future. We did something similar on Jakob Makis, as I said, at the start of the podcast. And he ended up going to the MLS, which was completely not what we expected. But good move for him. He's going to make a lot of money yeah. over there. And it's a very good centre forward for the MLS, to be fair. I mean, he was... I believe yeah, totally. he, was the, yeah, he was the top goal scorer in Scotland last season, where he would have played with, not with Cedric but against him, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I'll be interested to see where he goes in, in the near future. Brian, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. To all the listeners at home, I hope you enjoyed it as well, and make sure to tune in on Friday for another regular episode of the TFA podcast. Also, make sure to rate the podcast too and share it with your followers, friends and family, as it really helps us to grow. Thank you all for listening, and goodbye for now.